If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I want to share with you uh, something that happened in uh, Sunday school this morning. It was, uh, we were talking, as many of you were, if you were in Sunday school this morning, about um, faith without works is dead. And, and how faith, if we believe something, it should prompt us to action. I said, so if I were to tell you, I was talking to the youth, I was, if I were to tell you that this, uh, you know, this building was going to blow up in two minutes, what would you do? And without missing a beat, Siri on my watch said, all right, two minutes starting now. And so <laughs> it, was a little, it was a little eerie and funny, but um, that was, we had a good time really getting to dig back into James and go through some of those things. But we're starting a new series uh, today in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, it seems a little strange that I'll be starting a new series on the book of First Samuel in chapter 3. Um, but if you noticed this week, if you uh, follow our Facebook page, if you have, happen to be a part of that, uh, that we had a sermon companion video. So what's going to be happening is each week there will be some recommended reading, and you can actually find that on your bulletin this week. It is, let me find exactly where it is so I can tell you. It's on the, the right side opposite of your, uh, the, the order of service. Uh, keep reading. So for next week, if you want to be up to date, read 1 Samuel chapter 4 between now and next Sunday. You'll also see a, um, a video that'll come out. Um, you can also look at it on the, the podcast if you happen to do that. But it'll be a video that'll kind of be me explaining, giving you some highlights of what I saw in 1 Samuel chapter 4 to get you ready for next Sunday. So since this is the first week, I'll go over a little bit, and I will each week, of what's happened. So the book of 1 Samuel follows chronologically, the book of Judges. So in the book of Judges, there were people that God raised up to lead and judge Israel, to lead them through times, to bring them back, to, to help them as they faced their enemies. And so Eli is the priest, and he's also acting as the judge of Israel at this time. And we also meet Hannah. Hannah was, was the wife, and one of two wives of a man, and she was very sad because she had no Sons, And so she prayed to the Lord, and they went to, to the temple and made their sacrifices, and, and she was praying for the Lord for a son, and she was given a son, and she promised the Lord she had a son. She would give him back to the Lord all the days of his life. And so she um, had a son named Samuel and gave them back. A after he was old enough, brought him to Eli and entrusted him to Eli for the service of the Lord. And so that's where we find ourselves kind of picking up uh, at this point. So Samuel has been entrusted to Eli, and we are seeing Eli as he, or Samuel as he uh, ministers to the Lord. So we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read the whole chapter. Stay with me. It'll be on the screen. But I think it's important. I believe the, the word of the Lord as we read it uh, is, is, is very valuable. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went again and lie down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know, yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, 
you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and, and stood, calling at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, then opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to, to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning today. Father, we thank you for this day that we get to come together and just examine what you've done in the life of Samuel, and we get to see all that you've done in the, among your people in Israel, and we get to see how we can learn from that today, Lord. And so as we see how you call, as you call each of us, as you call some of us, as you call in our lives, Lord, we pray that you will, you will show us how you're calling us this morning, that you'll help us to see the example of Samuel and, and of Eli and of his sons, and, and we can see what it means to follow you what it means to be obedient to you, what it means to be prepared to obey you and to listen to your call and to recognize your call. I pray that you'll be with us this morning, that you'll remove all distractions, but we can be focused solely on your word and what it says to our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we're looking at when the Lord calls, the first thing we need to do is as we look at Samuel and his life, the first thing we should do, well, the first thing we can learn from Samuel that's what I want us to do. As we look at Old Testament Scripture, as we look at the book of 1 Samuel, we are looking at what God has done, and what we can see, and how, what we can learn about how we should interact with God today. Okay? We are not Samuel. God is not saying these things directly to us, but we can learn and see what happened in these situations. So we must prepare ourselves to hear the call of God. If we're wanting to know when the Lord calls, we, need to, we must prepare ourselves to hear the call of God. So we see at the beginning of this book that it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Even when the word of the Lord seems rare, we need to prepare to hear from God. Just because God may not be moving at a specific time, just because God may not have moved recently, doesn't mean that God's not going to. So if we want to hear from the Lord, if we want to be called by God, we need to always be ready to hear from him. We must realize that sometimes when the Lord has not moved recently, that's exactly when he will move. So we must always be ready. We see from Samuel that he was in a position to hear from and be used by God. So Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. He was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And if you know the ark of God, the ark of the covenant, this, this symbol that God had given of his presence, of his promise to the people of Israel, what better place to be? be called by God. 
in the temple, in the presence of God. He was physically nearer to God's sign of the covenant with his people. So we need to consider where we currently are in our lives. Are we in a position to hear from the Lord? I want you to think of an important conversation you might have in your life. Maybe it's an important conversation with, with your spouse. Maybe it's an important conversation with your, your boss or someone that works for you. Something that's sensitive and important and needs to be, cl- cl- needs to be clear communication. No mincing of words, no misunderstandings. Where do you want that conversation to take place? Most likely, you're not going to have that conversation in the middle of a, of a busy stadium. You're not going to try to have a sensitive conversation while you're doing something else, while there's distractions all around, loud noises where you can't hear one another. Most likely, you're going to be in a quiet place where you can hear clearly what's being spoken. So if we want to hear from the Lord, we need to examine our lives, look at our lives, and make sure that we have not clouded our lives with so much busyness and so much noise and confusion and, 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 and all these distractions that we can't hear clearly when the Lord calls us. What environment are, is, our, is our life currently in? What is the state of our life? If we want to be called by God, we want to be used by God, we need to make sure we prepare ourselves to hear from Him. Now, that doesn't mean that you can lay all responsibility aside, lay everything that you have aside, and go live in, in, a, in a shack on the mountain and simply wait to hear. But what it does mean is that you make sure you have time to be quiet with the Lord. You make sure you reserve time to be quiet in the presence of the Lord, whether that's your, your prayer time where you're praying to God, where, whether you're, you're having time in God's Word to see what He's saying through Scripture. You have time where you're quiet with God. One of the books that was really uh, formative in, in the early parts of, of my discipleship was a book by Francis Chan called Crazy Love. And in the beginning of that book, the first chapter, it was kind of one of those like, get your attention chapters, because the title of the chapter is Stop Praying. It's like, well, that seems a little counterintuitive, doesn't it? But, but what he was saying is, what if we stopped talking at God all the time? We stopped just putting everything out there, being so busy, so convoluted, and simply listened and looked and and, and we're, we were in awe of who God was. We enjoyed His presence. We listened to what He was saying. Part of what we want to do if we want to hear the call of God is be still and be with God. So what environment are we placing ourselves in? What else do we see in Samuel's life? His mother had helped place him there. Samuel's mother was instrumental in him being in a place to be called and used by God. So we need to recognize the way that others have helped place us in a position to hear from God. Maybe you can think in your life of the people who helped lead you to know the Lord as you do today. Your, your family, maybe your parents raised you in church. Maybe it wasn't your parents. Maybe you had a neighbor or a, or a friend of your friend's parents took you to church. Somebody invited you to VBS. Somebody invited you to a revival. Someone invited you to church with them. Who was instrumental in bringing you before the Lord? We need to think about and remember those people to thank God for those people. But we also need to be sure to remember that we have influence over others. And those we have influence over, we should seek to lead them into the presence of the Lord. Your friends, your, your, your children, and especially those you have influence over, you should lead them into the presence of the Lord. And this is what we see here very clearly. The obedience of others can affect our lives. And our obedience can affect others as well. If we know that the Lord is encouraging us to share with a friend, to, to share with a relative and we don't, what did that person miss out on? Hearing from the Lord in that moment. 
Now, we'll be very clear as we're going to get to in this passage in particular, but if, if we are disobedient, if we don't listen to the Lord's calling, if God is intending to do something, we can't foil that. God can and will accomplish His purposes. But the obedience of others can have an effect on our lives. I'm, I was blessed by the obedience of my parents in raising me in church. I was blessed by the obedience of a youth pastor investing in me. You, no doubt, have been, in, in, have been blessed by the obedience of others in your life. And in the same way, when we are disobedient, we miss out on being a part of blessing others. And so we see here an example of what it means to be a successful parent. You know, if you read, if you read that first chapter or two, you might have looked at Hannah and, and pitied her. Maybe not initially, because we don't have quite the same stigma in our culture, even though I know that it's a struggle for many, but, but she felt great shame because of not having a son, because she was barren. She felt great shame. And, and the fact is, is that the, wife of, the other wife of her husband made fun of her for this, said her rival would provoke her. It was a very difficult life she lived in. So she promised the Lord that she would give her son to him. And so you might look at it and you see, well, you've been waiting for this your whole life, and then you're going to give your only child, as far as she knew, your only child to the Lord. How sad is that, right? You've, you've gone your whole life not having this child, and then, and then you have it and you give it to the Lord. You don't even get to experience it except for the first few years while you're, you're nursing and you're, you're caring for this child. That misses the point of the goal of Christian parenting. The goal of being a Christian parent is not to selfishly enjoy our children. The goal of being a Christian parent is to raise children who know the Lord and will serve them faithfully with their life. You see here that, that Hannah had this child, and what greater blessing is it that her child would go on to be a prophet of God, to proclaim His truth to the world. And so while she may have, and I'm sure there were times where she mourned and she wept and she may have had some, some longing to be with her child, she knew there was no greater place for her child than to be in the will and in the service of the Lord. And we know she loved Samuel. Like I said, if you, if you read through that chapter, every, every year when she came to visit and to, to have their sacrifices, she brought a robe for Samuel. She loved him. And she was blessed with more children. But she gave Samuel to the Lord. There's, there's a sermon, and I recommend if, if this is something that interests you at all, to go look it up by, by David Platt talking about the goal of Christian parenting. You can just search it. It's a quick clip from a sermon of his. Where it talks about how so many parents would be fearful if their children were to, feel, were to be called by God. To be called into missions, to be called to do something in ministry. Because that's not the vision they have for them. Because what, what does a successful parent look like in this life? You raise your child, they get married, they have, they have kids, they're they successful, they have money, they have, live a comfortable life. The goal of Christian parenting is that they know the Lord and follow Him faithfully. It's hard. But what does it mean? It means trusting that God knows better than we do. Trusting that God knows better than we do. So not only did his mother help him to be, in the, to be prepared to hear the call of the Lord, Eli led him in service and ministry to the Lord. So he was entrusted to Eli to come and to learn what he was supposed to do. Hannah's part was to be his mother and to give him over to the service of the Lord. And then Eli 
showed him what it meant to be in service and minister before the Lord. So we must seek to be discipled by those around us. We must find people around us that know more than we do, that have lived more than we've lived, and say, how do I follow God? What does it mean in my life to follow God? We must do what we can do to disciple those around us. So as we grow in our faith, as we grow in our understanding, we look at those around us and say, let me show you what it means to follow God, to be ready to be obedient to Him. We need to be people who will do what we can do to usher those around us into the presence of the Lord. So the first thing we see is that if we want to hear the call of God, and this is important, we want to hear the call of God in our lives, we need to prepare ourselves to hear the call of God. You know, there's this idea, this understanding that sometimes when our kids are sleeping, we want to be able to hear and make sure they're not doing anything crazy. In particular, Barrett was getting very bad about climbing out of his bed and was very acrobatic about it, never once fell, at least that we know of. And so we had to be very aware of whether he was awake, whether he was trying to escape. And so we needed to listen for him. So how do we do that? Well, for one, we listened with our ears. We didn't have a lot of, we didn't turn the TV on immediately. We didn't have a lot of things happening. We prepared ourselves. We had a monitor to see whether he was in his bed or not. So if you want to know what's happening, if you want to be called by God, you need to prepare yourself. You need to be in a position. That does not mean that the only people God will call are those who are prepared. But if you're sitting here today and you're saying, I want to follow God, I want to, to know what His will for my life is, I want to, to know where He's leading me, prepare your heart, prepare yourself to be called by God. But the next thing we see is we must listen to hear the call of God. We must hit, listen to hear the call of God in our life. So Samuel heard from the Lord twice and thought it was Eli calling him. How confused do you think he must have been? He got up and he said, here I am, Eli. I didn't call you go back to bed. As soon as he gets back to bed, Samuel, come here. Here I am, Eli. I didn't call you to go back to bed. He's like, what is this guy doing? What game is he playing? Where he's telling me to come here and then telling me to go back to bed. For one, it shows his obedience that even when he was told, I didn't call for you to go back to bed, that he did it. What's Eli thinking? What's this kid doing? Is he just being a... But had he done this before? He's like, hey, well, did, did you want me to do something for you? He's just not ready to go to sleep yet. Who knows what's going on? But Samuel heard from the Lord twice, thought it was Eli calling him. An important thing that we must learn to do is we must learn to discern the voice of the Lord from the other voices we hear in our lives. Every day we are bombarded by thoughts and opinions and, and direction and guidance from all sorts of sources. And if we want to hear where the Lord is leading us, where the Lord calls us, we must be able to hear and pick out His voice from the voice of others. So what voices are influencing you this morning? And these are not all bad influences, but they are influences that are not the Lord. Your parents or your family, and let's be honest, even as we grow, if we have our parents still living with us today, our parents influence us as long as they're here. Our family members, our, our brothers, our sisters, our, whoever it may be in your life, family influences us. It's a voice in our life. Our friends Right? Our friends shape the way we think, the way we view the world. They have opinions and thoughts about the way we live our life. Those we work with, sometimes we spend more time with those we work with than any other people in our life. How are the people you work with influencing you? The media you consume, whether it's on your phone or TV, the media you consume will transform the way you think, the way that you view the world. 
cultural influences, the things happening in the world around us are going to shape the way that you hear and it's a, it's a voice calling into your life. We don't want to over-spiritualize everything in our life, but we need to be aware that the enemy will seek to deceive you. Satan is prowling like a lion seeking for someone to devour. So the enemy is constantly trying to deceive you. So what does this look like? Does this mean people are going to tell you to, to live a crazy, disobedient life? Oftentimes, I think what we need to learn to discern is that the things leading toward comfort, leading toward a lack of change are the voices that we need to know are not necessarily from the Lord. Think about the story of Job. This is a very clear example of people being, speaking into Job's life. This is why you've got to be careful. His wife did not give him very good advice. What did Job's wife say? Curse God and die. That's not very good advice. His friends sought to give him advice. You must have some hidden sin. You must have this wrong with you. They weren't the voice of the Lord. So in our lives, can we discern the voice of others and the voice of the Lord in our lives? Because success for the enemy is not necessarily leading you into a life of shameful debauchery, but leading you to be disobedient to God's calling on your life. So what do I mean by that? Satan is pleased to allow a lost person to live as a good person. If a person is lost and does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are depending on their own righteousness, their own goodness. That is a victory in Satan's eyes. They can live their life as a good person and die in their sin. If you are a Christian, Satan is pleased to allow you to be a church attender when God is calling you to be an active participant. If you've already been redeemed, you've already been saved, Satan would rather see you come and sit in church and do nothing with it than to see you actively participate and live your faith out. Satan is pleased to allow you to be an active participant when God is calling you to be a teacher or a leader. You see, disobeying God isn't always as blatant and shameful and, and scandalous as we might think. And, and the reality is usually if it starts that way, you start to disobey, it usually doesn't stay there. We're going to see how Eli's sons were judged because of their blasphemy. Their blasphemy largely was their contempt for the sacrifice. They would take the fat portions for themselves. I don't know if it started with the intentions of being blasphemous. Maybe it's like, well, you know, if we took this before the sacrifice instead of after, we can get some, some of the better food. And it leads to a life of blasphemy, disobedience. We also need to be aware that God will never lead you contrary to what He's already said in Scripture. I have heard a new thing from God. That is scary words. Almost always followed by heresy, blasphemy. A lot of the cults that we have that, that exist that would call themselves Christians but teach something very far from the gospel of Christ, do you know what they started from? I have heard a new teaching from God. Dangerous. So if you feel like God's calling you to something and it's not what agrees with what he says in Scripture, it's a chance that voice isn't God. We need to be able to discern the voice of the Lord. Samuel listened as well to the advice of Eli that the Lord was calling him. 
So Samuel himself did not recognize the voice of the Lord, but Eli helped him to understand and perceive that God was calling him. We should consider the counsel of godly friends when it comes to the Lord's call upon our life. When something is happening within us, we feel conviction, we feel certain movements, a certain direction, and they say, you know what? God might be calling you to do this. God might be speaking to you in this moment. We should consider that. How are the people that we listen to helping us to understand what God is calling us to do? And then we see what, what Samuel heard was life-changing. Changed his whole life. He went from being a, a boy in the service of God to a prophet of the Lord. And he said, Behold, I'm, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Now, I don't know about you. When I first read that, when you first read that phrase, you hear that, it makes me think that that's a good news, right? Makes your ears tingle. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's not a good thing. In Scripture, when the, the phrase is used that the ears of everyone who hear it will tingle, it is always about terrible judgment. 2 Kings 21.12, Therefore, says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing upon Jerusalem and Judah such disaster that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. Jeremiah 19.3, You shall say, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I'm bringing such disaster upon this place that everyone who hears of it, who hears of it will, the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. If we look at this passage, it's very clear that it's a very similar usage. I'm about to do a thing in Israel that everyone who hears of it, their ears will tingle. The whole house of Eli is judged. Understand what this means for the people of Israel. Who was essentially their spiritual leader before Samuel came in the picture? Eli. When they went to make sacrifices, who were the people interceding for them? The sons of Eli. What does God say he's about to do? I'm going to destroy the house of Eli, because of, it, because of the sins of his son, and because he did nothing about it. Their ears are going to tingle because they realize that the Lord will not stand for blasphemy. The Lord will not allow these things. See, we remember that Samuel was called by God to be a prophet of the Lord. His specific calling was to be a prophet of the Lord. And when we think of prophecy, oftentimes we think of Telling the future, right? You, you, especially in secular media or in, in the secular world, a prophet or a prophecy is, is a future that is foretold to you. It has been prophesied that this will happen. And sometimes this is true in Scripture. But a more specific way of thinking about it is a prophet is, is one who speaks God's truth to others. A prophet is one who speaks God's truth to others. Sometimes this is judgment of past events, right? So what did, what did God tell Samuel? Because of the sin of your sons. This is what I'm doing. This was what has happened. That, this is what should have happened. This should not have happened. It's judgment because of past events. Sometimes this is what God will do in the future. We see the prophecies of how it's been prophesied about Christ in the Old Testament, about what God will do in the future. And sometimes it's both. As in this case, judgment for the past sin and what God is going to do because of it. And the question we need to ask, and this is the hard question, if we really want to be called by God, are we willing to listen even if what we hear from the Lord is hard? Are we willing to listen even if what we hear from the Lord is hard? Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. This is what Eli told him to say. Is this our response? 
when we feel the call of the Lord in our lives? Or is it speak as long as it is what your servant wants to hear? Speak into my life, call me as long as it is what I want to hear. And if it's not what I want to hear, I do not want to hear it. Don't call me to do it. As we see here, this was not a comfortable thing for Samuel to hear. He said he was scared to tell Eli what he had heard. Now, I'll tell you something. I, I fully believe that Eli knew that this was about to happen. For one thing, why is this boy hearing from the Lord instead of Eli? The next thing, what does he say to Samuel the next morning? Tell me what you heard, no matter what it is, or I wish the same thing would be done to you, and more so. So what does that mean? Samuel knew that what, or Eli knew that what Samuel heard was most likely not good news. He also knew it probably wasn't very good news about him. And if you, if you look at this, we see in, in, in chapter 2 that the Lord has already rejected Eli. He's hearing it again from Samuel. So what does hearing from God look like today? Hearing from God does not always mean an audible voice. That's what Samuel heard. He was awoken from his sleep. He thought that Eli said it. It was a voice, an audible voice. That doesn't mean it's impossible. I've heard people say they've heard the audible voice of God. But I can tell you from my experience, I've never heard the audible voice of God. Often, I think the calling of God is a distinct impression of what needs to be done. The calling of God is often a distinct impression of what needs to be done. When you see a person, you see a family member, and you know that you're supposed to help that person. You know that you're supposed to go out of your way to do what needs to be done. Right? This passage you read in Sunday school today was if you see a person or a brother or sister that has no food or no clothes and, and you say to them, go in peace, be well fed, and be warm, how, how much of a slap in the face is that? You know they're cold, you know they're hungry, and you don't do anything about it. The voice of the Lord, most likely through the Holy Spirit, is telling you, give that person warm clothes and give them something to eat. You're probably not going to hear it. You, you don't have to hear that from heaven. The Holy Spirit will convict you and impress upon you what needs to be done. So, and sometimes, and I will tell you from my life, the closest has been to an audible voice is a distinct impression of, of a phrase. Sometimes it's scripture, but it's, it's, it's almost words that you just know are, are clearly what God wants you to do. And it's consistently lined up with his word and his work in the world. If you feel like God is telling you something, an impression upon you, and it doesn't line up with scripture, it's not from the Lord. So I want, to, I want to share with you, from, from summing up these first two points, how God's call upon my life went. And, and I can identify in many ways with Samuel. My parents raised me in church. I had people that were investing in my life from a young age, preparing me to hear from the Lord. And I went to church camp. Now, I, I didn't go necessarily for all the right reasons. I wanted to go have fun. All my friends were going. I heard about how much of a blast this church camp was going to be. But what it did was it put me in a place where I was away from the world, away from all the cares of the world, ready to hear from the Lord. And so when I was at a place at, at, at church camp where I was just bothered by something, I, I called out to God. I prayed and, and sought Him. And God distinctly and profoundly spoke into my life. Not audibly, but 
I, I had the very clear impression that all of the things I was concerned with could not compare to serving Him and serving His kingdom. It was this distinct impression that changed my life. And that when I have days of doubt, when I have days of concern, I think very vivid. I was 14 years old. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. It's the clearest memory I have. Nothing you are concerned with compares to serving me in my kingdom. And from that, I had people, godly people, that helped me discern the call of God in my life. I had no idea what that meant. I just knew that God had just turned my world upside down. And so I talked with my youth pastor. I talked with my pastor. and said, I think God might be calling you. They might, he might be calling you to serve him. And I, I honed in what that meant. And I had godly people to help disciple me and help me to live into my calling. So you think in your life, how is God calling you, called you? We'll get to that in a moment. The, the next thing we see is we must be faithful when we hear the call of God. Eli's sons were rejected because of their blasphemy of the Lord. The re, their rejection of the Lord led, them, led the Lord to reject them. Being in the right place with the right people does not guarantee that God will use you. Think about it. They were in a very similar situation throughout their lives that Samuel was in. They were raised by Eli in the presence of the Lord. And they scorned and blasphemed God. They had everything going the right direction and they rejected God. They blasphemed Him. Now, don't take this to understand. Here's what I want you to get. It doesn't mean that things have to be perfect in your life for God to call you. But if you sit here today and you want to be called from God, what we've talked about is that you should prepare yourself. But God can and does use rebellious people. Think about Rahab and the spies. When they go to scout the land, of it, the, the land that God is leading them into, the promised land, Rahab is a Gentile. She's not a, an Israelite. And she says, I know of God. I know that God has, has given this land to the Israelites. I'm going to protect you. We think about the Apostle Paul. As he was actively seeking to murder and throw Christians in jail, God stepped in and called him to his service. God can and does use all sorts of people. And this is what I want you to understand very clearly this morning. If you sit here living and breathing today, God can and will use you for his glory if you'll be obedient to him. If he calls you and you are obedient, he will listen. So, so think, and you may have seen this list before. It's a wonderful list. I want to share it to, with you. Noah got drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob lied. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses was a murderer and couldn't talk. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was a murderer and an adulterer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. I bet you're gl gl glad that that's not happening right now. Uh, Jonah ran from God. Naomi and Ruth were widows. Job was bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha was worried about everything. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Again, I'm thankful for that. Paul was a murderer. Timothy had an ulcer, and Lazarus was dead. So I guess I should qualify. It doesn't always necessarily matter if you're here living and breathing. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul. 1 
Corinthians 1, 26-31. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the world's standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. So, no, that, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. All of the people that God uses have something in common. They listen to God's call. Samuel was prepared, and he heard God's call, and he listened. Saul was living in rebellion and murdering Christians, and he heard God's call, and he listened. Rahab knew what God was doing in the land she lived in, and she listened. So at some point, we must be obedient to be used by God. It doesn't mean you're obedient when God finds you, but if you want to be obedient in what he calls you to do, you have to be obedient to be used by God. At least to be used by God in the way you want to be used by God. Hophni and Phinehas, these are the sons of Eli, of Eli, were examples of what not to do. The news about what God would do to them because of their rebellion would make the people's ears tingle. It's a warning about what it means to reject God. Judas was used by God through his disobedience and betrayal of Christ. Pilate was used by God. We remember him, right? Crucified under Pontius Pilate. We remember him. Why? Because God used him through his crucifixion of the innocent, his crucifixion of Jesus. God's calling will be difficult or uncomfortable often in our life. God's calling will often be difficult or uncomfortable things that God's calling us to do. It would be nice if God's call was to do very little or change nothing and you'll be blessed. It's not usually what God calls us to do. I want you to consider the very first thing that Samuel was called to do. The very first thing you heard from the Lord. I want you to pronounce judgment upon the one who raised you to know and follow the Lord. I want you to go to him and tell him that his household will be destroyed. Think about that. The person that has raised you to know and to follow the Lord, to, to show you what it means to follow him, the one that told you, go and say, speak for your servant hears. Go pronounce judgment. Did Samuel want to do it? No. But he had to be obedient. If you want to be used by God when he calls you, you must be obedient when he calls. And let me tell you, it will not always be easy. It will mean giving things up. You cannot serve God and serve yourself. If you have selfish desires in your heart and the Lord is showing you to go a different direction, you can't do both things. I love my family. When God called me to come here, I can't live where my family lives and be here. Serving God, following God, means making sacrifices. But you know what I can tell you? It will always be worth it. Being in the will of God is far better than anywhere else we can be because the Lord sustains those who listen to the call of God 
It says the Lord was with him and let not one of his words fall to the ground. The Lord will enable those he calls to follow through on what he calls them to do. Think about Moses. In Exodus 3, 11 through 12, after he's, he's been called by God by the, in, in front of the burning bush, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Moses has it right. Who am I? That God's going to use me. That I'm going to go be the one that brings people out of, out of Egypt. Who is Moses to do that? But what does God say? I will be with you. And so what we can know is that the Lord does not call the equipped, but equips the called. So the Lord may be calling you to do something, and your response may be like, who am I to do this? There's someone that knows Scripture better than me. There's someone that can share the gospel so much better than me. There's someone that is so much more faithful than me. Why don't you use them? And what God certainly says to you today, I will be with you. When you obey me, when you follow me, when you do that thing that's hard, I will be with you. We must be obedient, but the Lord will do the work. We are not the one that's capable in and of ourselves to do these things. The Lord will empower us through difficulty to accomplish His will. The Lord will empower us through difficulty to accomplish His will. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10, when Paul, the Apostle Paul is talking about one of his struggles. So to keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, therefore I will boast all the more gladly because of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I, will, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want you to think for a minute. Right? Consider your calling. How ironic and how like God to use Moses, who had a speech impediment, to be his mouthpiece. To be the one who would author the book of the law. Why? Because you know that what he said did not come from him, but came from God. And so when you feel weak in what God calls you to do, good. Because when you do it and God moves, they won't look at you and say, how great is this person? No. How great is the working of the Lord through this person's obedience? God can and will use you. He can and did use a boy that was the son of the shamed and, 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 and mourning barren wife of a, man, of a certain man. He wasn't even anybody of, of great report. It says there was a certain man who had two wives. That's how the book begins. God used him because he heard his call and he sustained him through it. So today I want you to think about the call of God in your life. 
There are, are two types of callings I want to share with you. There's the general call. The general calling upon God, of God in your life. This is the call to repentance, first and foremost. The call to repentance. Every person who hears the gospel should be convicted of their sin and called to repent and believe in what Jesus Christ has done for them. That they are a sinner that cannot save themselves, but because of what Jesus Christ has done, they can be redeemed and made right with God. This is the general call to repentance. And if you do call to, if you do believe in Christ, you repent of your sins, you believe in what Jesus has done for you, that he died for your sins, he was raised again, he is the son of God, there is a general call to Christian living. To put the old self away and to live in newness of life, to live in obedience to God, submission to God, to serve others on behalf of God and to serve God, to evangelize, to share the gospel, and to be discipled and to disciple others. This is a general call to all Christians. If you are a Christian today, these are the things that we are all called through, through Scripture to do. And then we see in Samuel the specific call. There are times where God will specifically call you, and you alone, potentially, to do something. Now this could be called to a specific action, a call to a specific action where you are walking and you have this impression, this conviction in your heart, I know you should share your faith with this person. This person is in need of help or encouragement. There is times where God specifically calls you to do something on his behalf. And what you don't know for sure is if he's calling the person beside you or not. Do not think that you can set it aside for someone else. When God calls you to do something, walk in obedience. Might be calling you to serve in this way. When you hear of opportunities or availabilities to serve his body, his church. And then there's the calling to specific service. Not one thing, not a specific opportunity, but a teaching role. To be a deacon, to, serve, to be a pastor, a missionary. These are things God calls people to do. He doesn't call all people to do these things. But he doesn't call them alone to do the things that they're doing. So as we come to this time of, of invitation, my invitation to you is what is God calling you to do today? What is God calling you to do today? I would venture to say there is not a person in here that cannot think of a way that God is calling them to serve Him more faithfully, that God is calling them to be more obedient in this way, shape, or form. And I would say there's probably someone in this room that may have been felt called by God, convicted by God to do something that you've been putting off for a long time. Something that you need to do. Something that you know that God has called you to do. I know that my youth pastor waited years before he surrendered to his call to ministry. There's, there's people I know that don't enter ministry until they've already retired from their secular job and they knew it the whole time. Don't let that be your story. What is God calling you to do today? Is it to be more faithful in the general call? Is it the call to repentance? Do you know Him this morning? God's not going to call you to do anything else until you know Him. What, is it, what did it say? Because Samuel did not know the Lord yet. And then Eli helped him to know the Lord. Today I'm telling you that if you don't, have not repented of your sin and, and trusted Christ for your salvation, you don't know the Lord. No matter how good you may be, no matter how hard you may work, no matter how many times you may have attended church, you don't know the Lord. It's only through 
The salvation offered by grace through faith in Christ alone. And then the evidence of that, God may be calling you to live more faithfully in Christian living. Are you obedient, submitted to God? Are you serving Him? Are you evangelizing? Are you living and walking in discipleship? Because you should be. Is the Lord calling you to do that today? And do you have a specific call on your life this morning? Is there someone or something you know that you should do for the Lord? Someone you should talk to? You should care for? Something you need to do? Or is He calling you to specific service, potentially? In this time of invitation, as Becky comes, I want you to deal with what God is calling you to do this morning. To, to like Samuel say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Don't put any qualifiers, but be willing to hear from the Lord this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for this time that we have together. And God, I pray that today as we have set things aside and we've come into this place to come into your presence, as we've drawn near to you, I pray that this would be a time where you would speak clearly into our lives. That we would each say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And that we would be willing to follow you clearly in whatever you may be doing. That we would listen to those that, that have godly wisdom that speak into our lives, that help guide us into to listening to you. That we would put aside the, the voices that would try to distract us, Lord. We would hear you clearly. That we would be obedient to where you call us. That even if it's hard, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's difficult, that we would be obedient to you. Because we know that if we follow you, you will sustain us. Father, I pray that if any do not know you this morning, if they have not yet known you, that today would be the day they would trust you for the very first time, the first time they would hear your voice. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.